Hello, everybody, and welcome to, you can call this, I guess, the first revamped episode of the Pacers Pride podcast. I am Cody Emerson, and I am joined by my co-host. He's a man of many talents, uh, Tyler Smith. Uh, Tyler, uh, how are you doing? And th- first of all, thank you for joining me. Yeah, appreciate it, man. It's uh, good to have some sportsmen back here on the horizon, and so... Uh, I, I love sports, so I'm doing well. Uh, Tyler does a lot of great work here in the Crawfordsville community, um, as he's also the head coach of the girls' basketball team at Crawfordsville High School. It also covers the Pacers and IU a little bit. Um, Tyler, am I forgetting anything? Pacers, IU, uh, anything else that you cover? Uh, occasionally I'll do some stuff, you know, with the, the final fours in town or things like that, but yeah. that's pretty much those two teams. And he does that for the journal review here in Crawfordsville. Um, so we're going to be talking a lot about the Pacers because that's Tyler and I both enjoy watching the Indiana Pacers and basketball. Like Tyler mentioned is on the horizon. Um, we're going to be talking about the Pacers a lot, but we're also going to dive into a few other sports topics, including we finally have baseball, Tyler. <laughs> finally. <laughs> finally have some sort of a season. Um, that was officially and uh, officially announced yesterday. Um, so we're going to talk about that as well. But first, Tyler, we're going to, I guess, just start off with a very broad topic, covid this pandemic has impacted the sports world and basically it brought it to a screeching halt. Um, I know with the work that we do um, and covering sports, coaching sports, it kind of put our worlds to a halt. Um, So how have you been spending your time with not having any sports going on? Well, it was uh, part of it was good timing for me. I have a, a published book that came out um, in June or early June. And, and so I've been doing a lot of marketing with that, uh, a lot of podcasting and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, just taking advantage of more time with family, uh, two daughters and, uh, you know, training them for they're only three and one, but I'm already training them for, uh, for <laughs> basketball. Not really, but, you know, it's fun to say. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, just a lot of family time. Uh, I also work at a church here at New Hope, so doing different things with live stream uh, services. And um, really, you know, when this whole thing started, it was, you know, such a slow process there, like in March. It seemed mm. like March took like three years to get through. <laughs> but now the last like two months have just flown by, and I can't believe it's already coming up on July 4th here pretty soon. But, right, you know, just trying to uh, take advantage of, you know, try to look at the positives the best that you can and um, live each day to the fullest. And, you know, the thing, you know, there were some positives through all this that you got to right. take advantage of. And I've been thankful to have a job here at the radio station, along with helping cover high school sports with the journal. I've been, we've done, now you've been a part of it. Um, we do, we have a daily show that we do at 5 p.m. on a 106.3 WCDQ. And I've been kind of heading up, getting all the guests and um, the inner workings of that show. And so I'm really thankful for Dave Peach and everyone here at the radio station, because if I didn't have this one, this this job at the radio station, because my 
there was no sports to cover. So my yep. uh, time at the journal was put on hold. Uh, but so just been grinding away here at the radio station day by day, like you said, Tyler, taking it kind of just day by day and seeing yeah. where it goes. But um, more and kind of also, T- Tyler, as a coach, how has this impacted you as a girls basketball coach? Because I know summer is, and we've talked on several occasions about the planning and everything that you had for the summer um, for the girls. Um, how has that this whole pandemic kind of impacted you as a coach? Yeah, for us, you know, in, in a, as a winter sport, um, definitely not as impactful as spring right. and then uh, possibly what fall will be like. But, um, you know, it, it, it has had an impact. We were hoping to have a, a summer league at South Vermillion, you know, play every Thursday and mm-hmm. really use the summer to uh, build off what we started and, you know, maybe introduce a little bit of new offense and uh, get to know the upcoming freshmen, all that good stuff. We'll get to do a little bit, you know, here in a few weeks, uh, mainly fundamentals and shooting, not a whole lot of uh, contact and scrimmage. Right. And, and we, we definitely won't be able to play other schools like we we're hoping to. So in that regard, um, you know, disappointment in that way, but we're hopeful that by the time, you know, the winter season comes around and hopefully by fall as well, but hopefully by winter season, we're good to go. And no, this, you were really looking forward to um, a little bit more in depth about your team. You're really looking forward to the summer and this upcoming, what the potential that it could have. I know a lot of um, juniors, upcoming juniors on the team uh, losing, lost a few seniors but just th- there was you were really looking forward to some of those sophomore to be juniors to kind of take the reins of the program and kind of be leaders for the team yep we're excited about our junior class uh, to lead us the next couple of years and you know they so many of them um, have already you know done so much for the program as uh, freshmen and sophomores so now to kind of fill that upperclassman role. And, right. you know, we, we've got a chance to have, you know, not for sure, but we could have, you know, all five uh, junior starters and uh, mm-hmm. maybe even six man, maybe even seventh man. So right. um, we'll see what, uh, what that class can do the next couple of years. And before uh, we're, we're going to touch on the NBA restart before we dive um, head on into some deep inside on Pacers talk. Um, but before we get into that, just want to kind of get your thoughts, maybe Tyler, on the future. I know it's very hard to predict, and we don't know what could happen tomorrow um, with this pandemic. But what do you possibly see um, as the future of sports? Because no, I just think, especially at the high school level, you have I think of volleyball where there is after each point they get together, they huddle, they high five whatsoever. And I know basketball where you're all sitting close together on the benches and just what do you could potentially see the future of sports? I guess I know that's a wide topic, but (laughs) yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be different. I mean, I think just about every sport, there'll be at least something that's different, you know, maybe even when, you know, who knows when all the stuff 
gets more under control. But even at that point, there may be, you know, some uh, careful guidelines in, in place. Um, I don't know. The fact that teams will spend so much time together, they may not have like a ton of guidelines for them individually, but it may be more, you know, team to team, like even Major League Baseball is doing that with no high fives to the other team, but, you know, they'll be around their own team. Um, there's different precautions that'll take place. I, I think this is something we may not know, you know, it may be well into even next season before we fully know the impact of everything that's going to change and, and the impact of everything that's happened. Um, I, I feel the most for, uh, you know, this previous senior class, right. Yep. You know, I, I, not only did they miss their senior season and so much of their senior year, but there's some athletes who really needed that year yep. to try to get a college scholarship. And, you know, I look at a, a local kid, uh, Trent Johnson, who um, I, I, I believe I was told that he wasn't heavily recruited for D one level until towards the end of his senior year. Yep. And now he's like Purdue's ace pitcher. So, I mean, you know, maybe that could have happened regardless of the senior season, but a lot of kids really need that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's tough. And then I also think in terms of pro sports, I think a lot of the lower level, you know, athletes, the um, minor league baseball players that don't get paid very well and they just don't have a job right now. That's gotta be tough. You know, maybe some of them would even leave the game. The minor league systems are going to be maybe a wreck for quite a while. <laughs> now I will say if, you know, if an NBA player that gets paid well or a major league baseball player that gets paid well, if they complain about, you know, not being able to prepare for this, then I don't have much sympathy for them because <laughs> someone needs to teach them how to do a little thing called saving their money and they would be fine. You know, they could take, you know, honestly, two months of, of paychecks from a, a season and be set for many, many, many years. So they got to do a better job with that. And maybe that'll teach them that lesson. But I don't know, overarching theme of, you know, future sports outlook, it's it's going to be different, and uh, hopefully everybody, coaches, athletes, players, um, fans even, will hopefully be able to adapt and just be able to know, like, you know, in the case of, for me, I'm like, I, I want sports back no matter how. Like, I'll, as a coach and as a fan, I'll do whatever guidelines they ask of me as long as I get my sports. <laughs> that's my that's my opinion. Yeah, just – I'm, and we'll talk about this when in the baseball segment um, as we kind of wrap up the show. But the money issue was – I'm not a fan of that by any means with the whole, oh, I need this amount of money um, to – it's like you're going to be fine because there are people. There's people, restaurant workers, et cetera, that have lost their jobs and – are living off unemployment checks. We all know that's not fun. Um, So just, I hope we get back to some sense of normalcy, I guess, whatever that may be. Um, We don't know, but you're right. I'm, I'll take whatever, I guess, precautions that the health departments, uh, local health departments, state health departments, whatever, whatever they, and CDC and just to, watch a sporting event again. I know I went down to uh, Elston Park here, the Elston Ball Diamonds here in Crawfordsville, uh, just to watch the softball league. And actually the first live sport 
that I've seen I probably since boys basketball sectionals, which that got canceled back in I think early March, mid March, something like that. I can't remember the exact day. Um, but just to watch a live sporting event was nice. And I hope that come fall we're a full go. Um, and there will be some changes probably um, that we're all going to have to get used to, but I mean, just to see sports back um, professionally um, here in late July. I know the month of July, I was actually scrolling through Twitter, I think, today. And July is just loaded with a restart of, I think, all basically professional sports. You have the yeah. you have baseball, NBA, um, the MLS, I know, is getting started. The hockey is getting started. And so we'll... It's going to be interesting to watch those and how they progress, but let's switch to the NBA restart. Um, I really haven't had a – I've seen what you've been uh, putting up on Twitter, but I haven't actually had a chance to really talk with you about your thoughts on it. The NBA, um, as everyone knows now, came out with – they're going to be playing in Orlando, 22 teams, eight regular season games. Um, There's lots of other – details that I know I'm foregoing but just what were your um, original thoughts when the NBA came out with this plan Um, some people and I'll say really 13 Western Conference teams I know there's going to be a tiebreaker or a play-in for eighth eighth and ninth seeds and everything like that so there's a lot to digest with the NBA restart but what were your thoughts when they kind of made the announcement Overall, I like it. I mean, uh, you know, selfishly, as someone who covers the Pacers, I, you know, a big part of me wanted them to be able to go to their uh, home stadium <laughs> so I could still do the games. But I understand, you know, it's one thing in Major League Baseball when they play series, you know, to go to home ballparks. But if you just have, a, you know, one game, it, that's a lot of travel. Um, so doing it in Orlando, they have a chance to play basically every other day and, you know, get a lot of games, you know, three courts, I believe. And, and so they just – uh um, you know, I think they have a, a pretty good plan uh, as, as far as that goes. I also was okay with the, the rules of the play-in, you know, trying to get more than just 16 teams. But right. if you're going to play eight regular season games, then, you know, you have a couple of other teams that maybe would have had a chance if they did have, you know, the however many games were left in the season. You know, and it gives fans a chance to see Zion play and Dame Lillard and some other of the stars of the game. So, um, I, I'm glad that overall they did not decide to change up too much of uh, East and West, I don't believe. So I was happy with that as well. And that was glad you kind of, you seems like you're reading my mind. Cause I know that was a big topic of, of debate. Or do they reseed or, and go just straight one through 16? I know, I think it would have been the nuggets that the Pacers would have been playing if they did yeah. straight the playoffs or whatever. Um, that I don't. That would have been an intriguing series, I guess. Um, but probably not one. It I don't want to say the Pacers would have lost. I think they could have made it a series. But Denver's a really tough team to beat. So I do like the fact that they're going just straight east, west, and everything like that. Yeah, I'm, I go I ahead. Yeah. What people need to understand is that. These are, you know, these sports are entirely different. The NBA was, you know, two thirds of the way through. Right. So I don't think you can get very wonky with, you know, 
if you're talking about finding a champion and playing a, a true playoffs, you know, you don't want to mess with, you don't want to make the entire season to this point, almost pointless. Mm-hmm. Because if, if you're bringing 22 of 30 teams and then all of a sudden throwing them some random seating, then that really makes this yeah. entire, entire season pointless for baseball. If they would have done different things with playoffs and obviously the schedule is going to be much, much, much different, but you got to be more okay with that because they haven't started the season yet. Everybody's on the same playing field and, and you right. just go with it. So hopefully people understand the differences there. Yeah. Um, and I, people were claiming, oh, there's going to be an asterisk next to whoever wins the championship in NBA. And I told them, I mean, we basically, we know the contenders um, for the championship. I think this could make it a little bit more interesting um, because with the layoff, because some people, um, some stars have had the chance to kind of re-heal, I guess, from injuries and whatnot. Um, I know there was a big debate going on when this first was announced if uh, Kyrie Irving and uh, Kevin Durant would come back and play for the Nets, but that quickly got shut down by both players. So also the NBA gave, and rightfully so, the chance for the players to say, thank you, but no thank you, I'm not going to participate. Um, because of if they have obligations to their family or their family doesn't deem it safe. Um, We haven't seen, I don't think, a star player yet kind of say, no, I'm not going to play, but I know it's came out. I know know, one player for the Wizards, uh, Trevor Ariza, I think, for the Rockets, and uh, Avery Bradley for the Lakers have – those are the three I've heard of um, who have come out and said, I'm just going to avoid going down there. Um, what were your, do you anticipate we see maybe a star say thank you, but no thank you like a Damian Lillard because they're Portland would have some work to do if they were to maybe get into that eighth, ninth area. Um, and I guess, do you think it's worth it? Um, because that was another discussion that came up for those lower level teams is coming back and playing eight games really in a bubble and risking your health and safety. Is it really worth going and playing? What are your thoughts on that? Well, for a guy like Lillard, you know, he, his comments were, you know, I'm not going to play if we don't have a path to playoffs. So once they gave him the path to playoffs, he would look, he would look pretty bad if he decided not to play from that point on. But some of these other guys, I know that Avery Bradley's situation is definitely a family thing. And mm-hmm. um, I, my initial guess, which I think we're going to find out within the next 48 hours, if any star decides not to, my guess is all the stars will play. There may be a handful of guys that decide not to. As a you know, Pacer fan, we're hoping that Oladipo ends up playing. I think he will. But uh, another thing that I do feel like fans need to understand through all of this, in, including multiple sports, is that if somebody decides they can't uh, or don't want to, um, I've, you know, really from day one back in March, I've been saying, you know, when, when sports come back, um, I think players should have the option to not get paid and not play if they choose. I would not, I would not feel good about paying them and then, you know, obviously sitting out. Um, If it's a injury related thing in this restart, 
which is what, you know, Oladipo is weighing. He's not weighing the, the health part. It's more of a, do I ramp it up um, or wait for next year? Um, that's a different conversation, but I do think if you're healthy, uh, you should play. If you're not in the at-risk category, you should play. And if you decide not to, we got to be okay with that. You won't get paid. Um, and it may happen and we'll just have to see. And speaking of Oladipo and the Indiana Pacers, that's where the bulk of our discussion is leading us to next. Um, we're going to talk a wide variety of Pacers topics here. I know one of them will kind of end our Pacers discussion with Paul George made some comments yesterday. Uh, we'll get into that, but also just as of right now, um, we don't know the eight game schedule. I'm curious to see when they release that. Cause that'll be really interesting to look at as well. But as it stands right now, the Pacers are in a battle with believe they're tied for the fourth seed with Philly and they're two games. Please correct me if I'm wrong, Tyler, uh, two games behind Miami, I believe for the fourth. Yeah, I, it was, it was in that range. I think yeah. I, it's been so long since I looked yeah. at it, but I, I think, the Heat were 41 and 24. So, yeah, that would put the Pacers two games. And the Pacers were playing really well. Um, we actually had the chance to talk with on the uh, our five o'clock show uh, with Chris Denary. Um, I went, thankfully, I had a class with his son at Ball State and we he put me in contact and we were able to talk with him about Pacers. They were, despite injury, were kind of hitting on all cylinders um, when the break when the COVID-19 pandemic ended the season. So just what were your thoughts on, I mean, guess just when the season came to a halt and is that it was kind of bad timing um, for the Pacers. And, but let's hope that they can kind of rekindle, I guess, what they had before the layoff. Yeah, I would say, you know, in that regard, it was bad timing because Oladipo had his best game. and was really starting to look more like himself. Um, on on the good side of it, you had some injuries. You know, Brogdon was going to miss significant time, and and now they hope to get him back. Um, so you know it's it's a it's a tough thing. I, I've seen a lot of Pacer writers talk about how they feel like this particular team, since they're so close and have good chemistry, that they may be able to, you know, get it back quicker than some others. And so you know, who knows? They could. It's going to be very tough to predict, but it could be a team that is. Uh, maybe more dangerous because they can mm -hmm. uh, figure it out, figure it out quickly once they get there. Yeah. And I was, you, I believe the only player, well, we'll, I think Justin holiday has kind of brought it up that he may not, he's been weighing his options about not playing um, as well, but we really will have the Pacers back at full strength, excluding Jeremy lamb, um, who unfortunately I think was his, he didn't, Torres, was it his ACL, correct, earlier in the year? I know it was. Uh, it was, yeah, it was a nasty injury yeah. that he's definitely out for the year. And yeah. that's one thing, though, is, you know, if next season, assuming obviously it'll get pushed back. And so maybe uh, Lamb will not have to miss as much time as they thought yeah. because next season will be pushed back. And we talked about Oladipo. Do you think this layoff, um, and for some players, it can for injury guys, it could be we mentioned it could be good um, for other guys who were hitting their stride and looking like they were back. Um, 
could be a little bit of a deterrent. But Oladipo was kind of in the middle because he was coming back from injury. I don't want to say he was quite 100%, um, but he definitely started to find his groove and find his rhythm. How do you see I get, if he decides to play? That is the big if, and we all hope he does. But do you think he may kind of, I don't want to say regress, but, and this could be true, honestly, for all the players, we may not see the great basketball that we're used to off the top of the bat. So what are your, I guess, just expectations and maybe um, for what we may see from Vic? My guess is from a health standpoint, he will be closer to hundred percent because, you know, even though it's, not ideal to start, stop, start, stop, and and then, uh, you know, have to ramp it up again. Um, I trust that he's been working hard because he always does. But the fact of having four, four and a half months off, you know, more to heal, I think from a health standpoint, he'll be closer to 100%. Uh, who knows with the rust factor? I mean, I can speak even, you know, on much lower levels, of course, but, you know, from, from when I played, there would be – times when a, a longer layoff, you know, would really hurt. And then other times I'd be able to pick it up pretty quickly and just kind of depends. And, you know, for a, um, I don't know if he, some people call him a star or at least close to a star athlete, uh, you hope that uh, he can figure it out quickly. And, and the NBA is giving them plenty of time, right? I believe, to, uh, to ramp it up. So it's maybe more of the mental aspect for him. That's what he's weighing right now is – you know, do I come back in this shortened bubble and play every other day, which is, you know, sometimes they do that. Sometimes they play back to back, but to play every other day for um, two weeks, two and a half weeks, and then playoffs is, it's going to be pretty taxing. Uh, mm-hmm. So more of like a men- mental side of it, if he feels like it's something he can push through and, and not. And yeah, I was just with Vic. I'm one, I hope he plays, obviously, and then two, hope he rekindles what he had. I, um, I was at that his first game back, um, in Chicago, and I it was just great for it was classic Vic <laughs> to hit the game, like it was game winning three, game tying. No, it was the game tying three that sent it to overtime. Um, and I know talking with you afterwards and because you were at that game as well but and then he started his first kind of week or so back he was taking a lot of threes and missing them and people were really wondering oh is he should have he taken more time off um but near the end he started to find his groove um making people he's very underrated as a passer I don't think people give him enough credit for some of the needle threads passes that he makes um, with a pick and roll with Sabonis and everything like that. But I hope he one plays and two, we kind of see this as a refreshed old Victor Oladipo. And also that could, the his level of play could maybe also be determined by the eight game schedule i know the pacers had still left they have some they had some pretty tough games i know they were going to face both la teams um and the nba is they said tried to 
at the very best mimic kind of what that schedule would have looked like. So Tyler, what do you maybe see this eight game schedule looking like for the Pacers? Because they're right in the thick of things. Like we talked about from the get go with they're they're in a playoff battle right now. And it could very well determine what seed they get. Yeah. I've seen the projected schedule. I don't know if it's 100% official, but you know, out of the, uh, feel, uh, so the you know those two head-to-head matchups obviously determine a lot. I play some of the lower teams that are in it. That some boys, so yeah, I think maybe uh, maybe Orlando and um, I think it was is Sacramento in the twenty-two. I think they were listed. Uh, I don't. Um, think they are i don't think so for some reason i was i was hearing sons and and uh uh spurs spurs yeah sons and kings as far as a low level and and magic and then i was hearing both la teams and houston and then of course uh miami and philly so that's that's what i'd heard i i wasn't even for sure if kings were in the 22 but um, oh, that was the list that I was going off of. I know Phoenix is, um, and I don't. Well, the King, Kings have a better record than the Suns, so I okay, assume they, they were, but then yeah, they probably would be too. But it's just I'm really curious to see what it's like. I, yeah, we'll probably have to play some of those LA teams, which we'll see. The Pacers beat the Lakers earlier this year and kind of shocked everyone when they did it. Um, how that matchup goes. I don't think – have we seen the Pacers and Clippers this year? I don't think we did. Yeah, we, they came – They did? They came okay. to Indiana, and that's when uh, that's when one of my tweets went viral with uh, Paul George, you uh, know, <laughs> uh, running his mouth again. But <laughs> Oh, yeah, okay. So Where he it, said he would do a tell-all, yeah. Yeah, and then – so that eight game schedule, um, when it gets official, I would hope it would get what's that, twenty fourth and they're playing late July. So I would hope with here in the next two weeks we may have a schedule. Uh do you know I mean, from what you've heard, is there a timetable that when we may know? I haven't heard that, you know, the the list I gave was the projected Right schedule yeah. that that I I don't know if it was official and I don't know exactly when because yeah, also you know game times the Pacers could be playing you know assuming when they're playing the you know the Suns of the world they'll be playing you know afternoon games but when they play Miami and maybe the Lakers and Clippers they'll get some uh, more prime time slots yeah so we'll be looking forward to that and then let. I don't want to say make projections because um, we don't even know what the seeding and playoff matchup will be. But, Tyler, I, I'm i of the belief, especially in the East, you have your uh, Milwaukee. Then after, you have Milwaukee, Boston, Toronto has – I've been amazed at what Nick Nurse has done, and he I think he's run away coach of the year. Um, but – I think the Pacers could maybe be 
a dark horse because um, you looked at, and this is me speaking as a Pacers fan and probably using a lot more bias than what I should, but you look at that lineup one through five when everyone's in it with Brogdon, with Vic, with TJ Warren, Sabonis, and Turner. Turner can give you a 20-point game every now and then, but most of those guys, one through four, can give you 20 any night. And then we know about the bench. Um, it's been – I've been really happy with what McDermott, Holiday, the Holiday brothers. Uh, Goga's had his moments this year, um, and he's had his good and his bad moments as a rookie. But how far – realistically can you see this group going are they a dark horse to maybe get to the eastern conference finals uh it's again it's hard to predict just because this orlando bubble right they're they're the type of team that could be really dangerous i think more realistically it's going to be it's very tough for me to see them winning winning two rounds um because no matter where they end up in the seating they're going to either have to go through Toronto or Milwaukee, who I think are both better teams. Yeah. Um, you know, Milwaukee's much better. And then especially um, Milwaukee round two, then yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that, that goes to that question that the fans have really talked about all season, even before the COVID stuff was, would you rather the Pacers be the sixth seed and, and, you know, have to not, or get to not play Milwaukee in the second round. But at the same time, you would, you know, a lot of fans would prefer them to play Miami in the first compared to Boston in the first so, you know, I'm under, I'm under the impression that winning a playoff series would be a big step this year, may help in free agency. So I would, you know, prefer the four or five slot. And then, uh, you know, I would love them to have a chance at Miami. It'd be fun with Warren and <laughs> Butler as well. I was say. But also, yeah, I'm... you know, another thing I've, I've considered is the Miami Heat were so, so, so compared to the road that even though they'll be in their home state, you know, not being able to play on their court with their fans um, may make them even more beatable. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I, I think the Pacers do have a a solid shot, maybe more than what some people think, a solid shot to win a series. But I would be very surprised if they won a second this yeah. time. I mean, I think every Pacers fan on planet Earth is hoping for seven games of Jimmy Butler versus TJ Warren <laughs> because that was – I would love to see it. Um, I actually have a friend that I talked with. He's a Miami Heat fan, and he wants to see it. Um, so we'll see what the, how far the Pacers potentially can go and will go. Uh, that is can be determined and probably will be determined by the eight games and what seed the Pacers get because it'll be interesting to watch the kind of sprint, I guess, when – we get back in late July. So I added this topic actually, because it kind of made head made national headlines yesterday when our good friend, Paul George, (laughs) as we like to call him, um, he talked about kind of revealed some details about his departure from the Pacers. And he was quoted as saying he had, I think, one of the best power forwards, if the best power forward in the league, wanting to come to Indy. But Pacers management um, didn't want to do it because they're a small market um, and they couldn't afford it. Then rumors 
were swirling around is it was it Anthony Davis was it Blake Griffin and all this kind of just rumor stuff and it just I think either way you look at um I saw a tweet I can't remember who it was from but the Pacers roster in 20 what was it I think 17 six whenever um it was a picture of Pacers roster, I think 2016-17. The Pacers didn't have – they had Paul George, but really didn't have a lot of assets to make a blockbuster trade for this, quote, best power forward in the league. So, Tyler, uh, when you saw this surface yesterday, um, what what'd you make of it? You mean after my major eye roll, right? I was <laughs> yeah, just kinda, all Pacers fans. I, yeah. Just kind of. Yeah, I was. Yeah. I mean, in a way, I, I've i appreciated Paul George over the years in certain ways. And, you know, even when he's been on the more negative side, he's, you know, helped me uh, get some exposure with some <laughs> of the tweets and stuff. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm over it by now. And it was like one of those things where I'm like, all this stuff that's going on in 2020 and negative this, negative that. And like the last person I want to hear from right now is Paul George. And yeah. so I, I saw him talk and I was like, all right, there may even be some truth to this, which I feel like almost every time he talks, there's like a little bit of truth to it and maybe not so much. I feel like if Kevin Pritchard were to be in the same room and say, no, 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 that's not exactly how things went down. And to hear that side of the story, um, and just the, the fact of how quick it was, like he claims that it was that very weekend that he went to the softball turn or the softball celebrity game. And then that very day or the next day, uh, basically like they don't want to win, get me out of here. I mean, I, I have a hard time believing it was that quick. Um, but as you said, the Pacers didn't have much to offer at that time. And there's little to no chance whatsoever. I mean, NBA players can talk all they want about, yeah, I'd love to team up with so-and-so. That doesn't mean it's an easy thing to happen. Yeah. So the, let's say let's say it was Anthony Davis, who is an unbelievable player. You've got Anthony Davis and Paul George and then absolutely nothing else. Yep. yep. You are not you are not going to do much of anything. Maybe you're hoping to uh, woo some other guys from that, but you won't have much money to spend. So <laughs> it's just uh, it's a tough situation. You can't really build a bunch of uh, superstars in a small market, at least not for very long. I mean, Davis would have bolted in, you know, two yeah. years after anyway, mm-hmm. much like Paul George probably would have the time he did anyway as well. So, and I, I actually found, um, I think it was from Alex golden, uh, who does a lot with the Pacers and everything. He actually listed the roster of the Pacers, but didn't give, I would assume this is Paul George's last year. Well, no, I I can't. It doesn't give it an exact year, but said the roster consists of Lavoy Allen, Aaron Brooks, Raheem Christmas. Um, all, all Pacers fans unfortunately remember Monte Ellis, um, Paul George, Al Jefferson, C.J. Miles, Georgie Yang, Glenn Robinson, Ke- Kevin Serafin, Lance Stevenson, Rodney Stuckey, Jeff Teague, Miles Turner, Joe Young, and Thaddeus Young. So I don't quite know. What the like you mentioned, Tyler? I don't know what the Pacers could have really offered. Maybe a ton of first round picks, probably, is probably what they would have to include 
and they would have to, like you also brought up, basically gut the roster and just have Paul George and um, insert best power forward here. So I don't think it was – I don't know what PG was really trying to get out and say and I guess bash the Pacers one more time, but my overall thoughts is we got Victor Oladipo and DeMontis Sabonis from that trade, two all-stars who – have great, hopefully have great futures with the team and stay here for their tenure of their career. We have two building blocks that we're building our team around. And then Paul George just dipped after from the Thunder after yep. like, I think two, three years. So we Pacers fans will tell you all the time we won that Paul George trade. And I think the proof is in the pudding. Yeah. And I, I've, I've tried to take it a step further even in, when discussing that trade. The way it went down and the way that, you know, when you're demanding a trade and there's only a year left on your deal, you put ownership at a really tough spot. And, you know, typically you don't get much back for that because everybody thought it's a rental and he's going to go somewhere else, go to L.A. Looking back, it would have been a good trade for the Pacers to get either one of Oladipo or Sabonis. Mm-hmm. As as good as both of them are, and again, the way it went down, um, not comparing either player or any of the three players, per, you know, necessarily, but I'm just saying the way they uh, really tied the Pacers' hands, you know, by his agent coming out and saying that, yeah. you know, you would have taken as a bonus or <laughs> Oladipo. And we got both, and now Pacers fans will just move on, and anytime we – the anytime the Clippers, well, the one time the Clippers come to Banker's life, Paul George will always get a loud, raucous boo, and he'll get one. <laughs> and honestly, I think it's just well deserved because the way he kind of just treated the organization and everything was just. I understand players wanting to win, and yes, India is a small market, but I mean we if he talks about not winning the Pacers made, they've taken the heat that those heat teams back, back Eastern conference finals. The Pacers came probably the closest they've been since 2000 to breaking through. Unfortunately, we just run into the juggernaut that was the heat, but Paul George can say whatever he wants to say. And you and I, Tyler and the rest of Pacers nation will just roll rolling eye. so yep. we're gonna uh kind of our last uh big topic of the show tyler and i are also with we love the pacers love to talk about them but we're also huge uh major league baseball fans and kind of as i brought up at the very beginning of the show tyler we finally have baseball <laughs> it uh, and we i can't stress that enough how i mean yes they finally agreed on the deal or accepted to report to spring training in July, I think 23rd or 24th, the official start of the major league baseball season. So it'll actually come back before the NBA will. So we'll get a probably good week or so of baseball before um, we get to the NBA, but there's a whole lot to dive into. Uh, the first of all, the big importance was a 60 game regular season. Um, 
But first off, before we go into the details, what do, how is, does baseball look? How does baseball look right now, Tyler? I guess is what I'm going to say because with all this negotiating, no here, no there, the back and forth, does it kind of really make a difference now that they're playing or does it make a difference? I'd say yes and no. I would say that, like, right now they look terrible. Um, They probably have lost some fans over this. I do think that a lot of people that have been – upset and loud about it on social media I think they'll be back because it's easy when there's no games and all you see is negative news to just you know continue to complain about it and and understandably so for some of it but I feel like it's these guys swinging a bat and you know warming up and you start to see more stories about it I can't imagine them not tuning in if they're really fans and, I, I mean, you could not like the new rules and think that it's a illegitimate, you know, season <laughs> or whatever, but you watch sports to be entertained. And so if you don't want to be entertained, you don't have to watch. Not a big deal. But, right. you know, I, I feel like a lot of the fans that have come at me in the last few months on Twitter saying, I'm just not going to watch it. I'm like, ah, we'll see. I think you're going to watch <laughs> yeah. it. And I, I like that we have a season. Um, originally, when this first – when the news kind of broke about I was not a fan of a 60 game season because I don't, I don't put a whole lot of stock into the first month and a half, two months of baseball when it usually starts because teams are, they usually battle spring training injuries. They're still trying to get the rotation set lineup set, what have you. And then once, once the hardest summer hits like it would have right now, july august those months that's when the real kind of contenders start to emerge but i'm gonna have to embrace it i mean 60 games it's gonna be really interesting because to see because if you get off to a bad start then you may not make the playoffs and so we may see some interesting postseason matchups as well uh what are your just overall thoughts on maybe if the 60 game season and because, and the intrigue behind that. One thing I've said basically the last uh, three months or so is that any season is better than no season. Right. And so I feel like, you know, the, the two things that are going to be worth watching the most injuries mm-hmm. are going to really hurt, um, you know, who we that even the element of COVID 19, when a player gets it, I think some of them will recover quickly. I like how Major League Baseball is doing, you know, if they get if they get the virus, there's no minimum that they have to be on the IL. So let's say they're fine and, um, you know, in a few days they're able to come back, yeah. which is a good thing. But you think of something like an oblique injury or a torn hamstring, I mean, that could basically mean your season. Right. Um, or, and especially if, if it is, you know, you're supposed to be out 30 games and that player, some players will feel like they need to rush back because, you know, it's still, you know, it's already the stretch run of the season. So they're going to try to rush. So that may, they may re-injure themselves or you may have guys who are like, no, I'm done for the year. I'm, you know, I'm not going to rush my rehab just to play, you know, another 20 games or something. And that'll depend on if their team's in the race and all that stuff. But I feel like it's going to be intense. I've seen a lot of reports recently of how, 
you know, people talk about the Nationals last year and how they were so bad at the beginning, and, and that's our World Series champion. Well, my response to that is maybe they wouldn't have that slow start if they knew it was only 60 games. I mean, you never know. Yeah. Like, when, when players, they have a lot of veterans on their team. They're one of the oldest teams. And, you know, a lot of people, just a lot of athletes, in baseball especially, just kind of cruise through April and May until they have to turn it on. So, you know, maybe last year's Nationals wouldn't have got off to that bad start if it was a 60-game season. And the, and the other response to that is uh, based oh. – What's that? I was just going to say, uh, do you think this kind of helps? I mean, we talked about getting off to a slow start, maybe. Um, do you kind of think this hurts the Yank, like the elites, upper elites, like the Dodgers, Yankees, um, who are going to be the presumptive favorites to win? Because if the Yankees get off to a, let's say, halfway through the season, they're 10 games under 500 at 10 and 20. You got there's a slim chance you may be making the playoffs. Yeah, there's definitely a chance of it of hurting those top teams and and some of these teams that are typically wouldn't be contenders. Maybe they will be, but I just feel like with them knowing the stakes and how good those lineups are, that I feel like they'll be at the top anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So with all of this stuff that's been going on. I actually didn't really know this until I was watching. I think it was Mark Teixeira um, on get up one morning. Um, He talked about the future of baseball and what it could look like with players, maybe potentially filing a grievance and et cetera, like that. And then also I did not know this baseball has a new CBA on the horizon. I think in, two three years so there could be some extra tension there negotiations and hopefully let's hope we don't have another lockout or shortened season or whatever but how do you see what because ultimately the players association and the owners weren't able to get a deal done do you that could maybe have a snowball effect for maybe this new CBA. How do you see that playing out? Yeah, it's at the end of next season. Yeah. And that's that's honestly the primary reason why these negotiations were so horrible because both sides were trying to set themselves up for that. And so it's unfortunate timing. You know, if the next CBA wasn't for another four years, they probably would have had a deal months ago and maybe have already been playing by now. But the fact that it's all about – it's not just about the, the money for this season, that it's about, you know, trying to set things in place for the future. That's ultimately why they didn't come to an agreement, and it's unfortunate, bad for the game, bad for um, fans. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see it. Mm-hmm. You know, at least it's not the end of this year because that would be a total mess where oh. they probably wouldn't play – they'd only play the 60 this year if they can get through that with COVID and then not play next year or start because of that. So at least we get – at least we, we have a good idea that we're going to get a full 162 in 2021, fingers crossed. Yeah. And lastly, on as we wrap up uh, our baseball talk, uh, they did implement some – you brought up some of the rules and everything that is going to be brought into this new 60-game season. The universal designated hitter – I I can get on board with that one. Um, 
but I do I do like seeing pitchers hit because um, we both you with the Cubs and me with the Braves we we follow National League squads and kind of oh if a batter gets a leadoff if the eighth place hitter gets a leadoff double the pitcher can come on and bunt him over and it, I like watching a little bit of small ball um, but I can get on board with the designated hitter in the National League I think that'll one it'll protect pitchers I guess because um, from being hit or retaliated against etc things like that the one that I'm not so fond of but I will accept it because we do have baseball um, the extra inning rule to kind of shorten the regular or the not regular season but the extra innings and shorten the length of the game the one where a runner starts on second base to begin the extra innings I don't like that one bit because a single a single up the middle could basically one end the game or two give that team in a, a great advantage it's just what were your thoughts on some of these rules? I know you talked about we're having baseball, so that's good. Um, that's the great thing, and we'll have to just deal with, I guess, some of these odd rule changes. Yeah, I think that's the mindset we got to have that, you know, we get baseball, so whatever works. Um, I think it was a couple years ago that I changed my mind on the Universal DH, and I'm, I'm for it now. I mean, even mm-hmm. in the future, I would like it. Maybe it's the the fantasy baseball player in me that likes it, (laughs) (laughs) having more hitters and stuff. But, um, you know, you mentioned protecting pitchers as far as injuries go and things like that. But I I would say protecting pitchers for their their outings. Yeah. Because I'll tell you, one of the things over the last few years that has just absolutely drive me nuts is you could be in the fifth or sixth inning and, oh, the pitcher spots up, we better pinch hit. And, you know, he's rolling. He's only given up, like, one run. And I, I saw it a lot with, with Joe Madden with the Cubs, but also so many managers, they just get antsy in the fifth or sixth inning, and it's like, oh, the pitcher spot. I don't want to give up an out. And they take him out of the game when he was doing well. So that's one yeah. advantage of the DH. Don't take the pitcher out and don't have to until you think he's done on the mound. Um, and then as far as the runner at second, I, I don't like it. I have been actually, you know, for years, I've been saying this, you can go back to Twitter years ago. I said that the only change I could see making, because I mean, I don't like the 15, 16 inning games that go to one in the morning either. Um, But maybe once it gets to the 12th inning, you start a runner at first base. Mm -hmm. That to me, that would be better because you have, you've got those two innings to try to win straight up. And then, to bunt them over, hit and run, steal, you know, runner at first, nobody out compared to obviously nobody at first. Um, the percentage of scoring goes way up, obviously. So, yeah. But it's not like one blue pit um, would win the game. So that's what I would do. I'm glad that this is just regular season. They're going to take that away for playoffs from what I've been oh. told. So, so okay, that's, that's good, good at least. Yeah, I did actually. So that's I'm glad to hear that it won't be – a major factor in the postseason um, as well. But at Tyler, as we wrap up, uh, as we give kind of give our final thoughts and takeaways, anything else you want to say or uh, guess get off your chest? Any uh, Paul George <laughs> thing, <laughs> something like that? No, I will not. I will not speak of of that man's name again oh, for at least 
at least another month. But just any final uh, thoughts that you want to add about the restart of sports and uh, what we got to look forward to the next month? Yeah, I just say bring it on. I've, you know, it's been a long road and I'm just hoping and praying that they can have enough uh, health and safety protocols that they overwhelm because, I mean, there could be a second wave or I don't even know if we're out of the first wave. There could be a lot of uh, positive tests, but can they have enough in place to uh, continue playing and, and give us, you know, something to watch and um, talk about that would be, you know, big um, for multiple reasons. So we're really hoping that all this does work out in July. Yeah. Um, I'm just happy that sports is back. I, I've missed it so much, you know, with it's a big part of my life. And I know it's a big part of your life as well. And cause that's kind of what we go to. I know during times of pandemic or whatever, we usually had sports to fall back on. And we kind of don't have that now, but it's nice to finally see everything getting back up for July. Well, uh, fortunately, that's all the time that we have for today's episode of the Pace Pride podcast. Um, Tyler, um, thank you for joining me. It was a ton of fun to kind of get this back up and running. I know we did this, both me and my friend did it while we were at Ball State and our after we graduated, uh, life, this weird thing called life, uh, took us separate ways. uh, But so I'm glad that you were able to come on and uh, join me. And I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks a lot. A lot of fun. Yeah. Not a problem at all. Uh, you can see what both of us are up to on, uh, Twitter. My handle is, um, at Cody C O D E Y underscore, Emerson, E-M-E-R-S-O-N. And Tyler, I know you have a professional one and a personal one that, and a few other different ones that you use. So I'll let you uh, plug those here as you see fit. Yeah, everything sports related, especially Pacers and Hoosiers and, you know, some baseball talk is at, at Tyler Smith underscore I-S-L. Um, you can also find my personal one, which is maybe a little bit more on just personal happenings and faith related things at Ty Smitty 21. And if you happen to care to check out the book, you can go to searching for seven.com. And great. Um, like I said, at the very beginning, when I introduced you, a man of all trades, a coach, uh, author, uh, just an all around great person. And Tyler, um, we're really looking forward to kind of getting this back up and running. Uh, So we're going to try and hopefully do an episode every week to two weeks. Um, So be on the lookout for this episode and future episodes. Uh, You can find us on, I believe, Anchor Post to Apple iTunes as well, including uh, Spotify. And also we're using anchorfm.com. And you can just search Pacers Pride Podcast. Well, that, like I said, that's all the time we have. And so for Tyler Smith... I'm Cody Emerson. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and have a great day. Thanks a lot.